Okay, so I have something a little bit special planned for today. This is an interview that I did on the Legendary Legacy Christian Mind Group with Jeremy Bettler. And so why is this so special? Well, for a very simple reason. The day that this is dropping happens to be my daughter's wedding day. And so as this drops, I will be at her wedding. And so that will be kind of special, talking about the legacy of a father on the day that I get to give my daughter away. So I'll give a quick shout-out since I know she also listens, but she probably won't hear this one for a while because she'll be on a honeymoon. But uh, I will say that, uh, Shannon, I've always been so proud of you, and I know that I'm looking very forward by the time you hear it, it'll be in the past, but I'm looking forward to uh, being able to give you away to such a wonderful man like Nathan is. So that was a little plug for my daughter, a little private thing there. <clears throat> Just, uh, But folks, I hope you enjoy this uh, podcast. Hope that you guys in- learn maybe a little of the legacy of a father. Welcome to the Rap Report with Andrew Rappaport, where we provide biblical interpretations and applications. This is a ministry of striving for eternity. For more content or to request a speaker or seminar for your church, go to strivingforeternity.org. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Legendary Legacy Mastermind Group, uh, Men of Faith. Specifically, I'm looking for fathers uh, because fathers... Fathers and business owners, they have unique challenges, I think, uh, that are Christians in in our world today. And I'm here with Andrew. Andrew, can you introduce yourself and uh, maybe talk a little bit about, yeah, just talk a little bit about yourself, your background. Uh, We talked a little bit before. Maybe uh, get started with uh, your background with that. Does that sound good? Yes, that's fine. Uh, My name is Andrew Rappaport. I'm the the founder and executive director at strivingforeternity.org, Striving Eternity Ministries. And uh, my background, as we were discussing earlier, I come from a Jewish background, um, was raised Jewish, both my parents Jewish, been more mitzvahed, uh, a lot of people find that interesting, came it to is. Christ. In, I thought everyone comes to Christ the way I did, like in three and a half hours, the first time they hear the gospel, I've come to realize that's not normal. <laughs> that is not. And there are different, uh, we, I can talk a little bit about that uh, after you share. Yeah, so I, I basically, I I had a truck driver, a bus driver who was sharing the gospel with me. And in three and a half hours, I went from believing that Jesus Christ is Hitler's God to being a follower of Christ. And that is how I was raised. We are raised to believe that Jesus Christ was, represents the Holocaust, the Inquisitions, the uh, Crusades. He wants to kill Jews. And so there's no love in the Jewish community for Jesus Christ. But logically, as we're going through prophecy, fulfilled prophecy, I stopped this guy, Chuck. And I said, Chuck, it is mathematically impossible for these prophecies, as detailed as they are, to be fulfilled by coincidence. Now, some could be self-fulfilling. I didn't look at those. Just ones that I put in the category of coincidence. It was beyond 10 to the 48th power, which is statistical impossibility, meaning the New Testament had to be written by God. I didn't believe Mm -hmm. in it, but I believed it was written by God. Then he started explaining Christ and explained his death, burial, resurrection. I'm like, Chuck, stop. People don't rise from the dead. They definitely don't rise themselves from the dead. I couldn't explain away the resurrection. I never read at that point Josh McDowell's Evidence Demands a Verdict or More Than a Carpenter, but I had all of them. I came up with all of the false views for the resurrection all by myself. I have one that's to date is, I think, still original with me. My last argument to try to counter the resurrection is, I said, Chuck, maybe they dug a hole underneath the the tomb, came up through the center, grabbed the body and snuck out. (laughs) And he's like, Andrew, like in three days, they didn't have heavy equipment. I'm like, ah, he's like, what's wrong? I said, if, if Christ rose from the dead, that means he must be God. Mm-hmm. He's like, yes. I said, then I have to follow him. I'm accountable to him. And so on the stairs of a Dairy Queen in San Francisco, a long time ago, <laughs> we won't say how many years, right? Um, <laughs> no, it, look, I may have a daughter getting married, but my wife's only 25. Oh, okay. I'm not dumb. Okay. I'm not saying how many anniversaries of 25 she's celebrating, but she's 25. (laughs) Um, Part of keeping a legacy. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So uh, there are a couple questions in there that I, that I had uh, right away. So do uh, most Jewish people feel that way? Uh, I I hadn't realized that. 
um, that 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 uh, Jesus was Hitler's God. I, I never I never heard that before now. So this is something new to me. Um, so I'm curious where what your stance is or what the the Jewish faith is on that to learn well, more about them. It's it's going to depend. I mean, folks who are, have gone through Hebrew school like I did. I mean, I was in Hebrew school for about ten years, and it, you know, this is where you, we would hear it. So it's going to depend how much they practice Judaism, how much they're raising their children within the Hebrew school, within whether they're going there, you know, just to be bar mitzvahed or whether they're actually, I mean, we would go, I think like three days a week. And so you end up having that where that gets taught. Now, you're going to see that in different communities. Remember, I was a generation after the Holocaust. Jewish people do not want their children to forget the past. It's the reason we do a Passover. So we remember what happened all the way back in Egypt. And so that's a big part of Judaism is to not forget. Mm-hmm. Or we would go through and it would be explained. Now, I, I was teaching actually in New York City on how to witness to different religions and we went out to a place called Union Square in New York City, and we had two, uh, I think they were brother and sister or stepbrother, sister, I forget, but two Jewish, uh, I want to say kids, but they were like in their 20s. And someone was evangelizing them, and they made the mistake of bringing me over. And I always say, don't, because I'm a traitor to them. I, like, I kill a conversation when you bring me over and say, he used to be Jewish. It ends it. Uh, but basically, they turned and, and said, look, your, your God is Hitler's God. Hmm. And what they mean by that is that the Catholic Church supported Adolf Hitler financially. And for most Jewish people, they, they understand there's these differences between Catholicism and Baptists and Lutherans mm-hmm. and different. They don't really get into that so much. And it, it's all Catholic. Mm, I see. Uh, would they lump that in with non-denominational Christians as well? Mm-hmm. Uh, all Christians, okay. Yeah, like all Christians. I mean, like I'm. <laughs> my sister bought me a, a, a when I graduated college. She bought me a Bible. She sent it to me and said, I, "I bought you a Bible for graduation. It even has the Catholic part." And I got excited because I was like, <laughs> "Cool, I have the Apocrypha." And no, she meant it had the New Testament. <laughs> so I mean, that's just the thing that we really don't get into. I mean, like most most Christians don't really know much about the different divisions within Judaism. You know, maybe they know there's three main divisions, Orthodox, Conservative, Liberal. Yep. uh, Or what's really Reformed, I should say. That's all I, that's all I would know. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. But within the Orthodox, there's a, there's tons of divisions. Okay. Right. And if you're involved in it, then you know about them. And if you're not, you don't. And that's the same thing. Like Christians would just say they're Orthodox. And Jews would say they're all Catholic. I see. Okay, thanks for sharing that. That's an interesting background. And you mentioned something about you thought that all people came to faith like that. So, uh, and and I we talked beforehand about specifically the main doctrine that I care about is that Jesus is the Savior of our world, um, Savior of all people, and that He is true God and true man, one hundred percent. And that's the, the main thing. And then he, he died for all people, but not all people will be in heaven. And we discussed a little bit about that. Uh, but there's also something in Christianity that I was baptized uh, Lutheran. So uh, we believe, and I, and I don't want this to be about doctrine and about things, but we believe that when you're baptized, uh, there's a miracle that can happen and you can come to faith. Um, but there's a lot of my Christian friends that have had a experience like you that have um, came to faith uh, after being part of another religion, uh, and they, they made a choice, a logical choice, to choose God. What I'm saying about what I'm going to say about this is all that really matters is that we believe that Jesus is their Savior. It doesn't necessarily matter how we got there. Um, because I, I believe personally that God chose us from the beginning of time. And we are getting a little bit into doctrine, but the point is, is that I think as Christians, we need to understand that we're all together, that we want to spread the gospel, that we want uh, people to know the truth, and that that's the main point of all of this. So 
Um, but I am curious about your experience that you've had not being, uh, because if your life would have ended at that time, where would you have believed you would have been? Oh, I, I would have, before I became a Christian, I, I would have been in hell. Yeah. Uh, uh, my, that's, a, that's a tough thing to say, especially to other people, but uh, well, let me, let me make about it yourself. Even, yeah, I'll make ahead. it even harder. Yeah. My mother passed away when I was 10 years mm-hmm. old. I have no, and, and people think I'm horrible for saying this, mm-hmm. but I have no reason to believe that I will see my mother in heaven. Mm-hmm. She was Jewish. She rejected Jesus Christ. She was a sinner like every other human being. I loved her dearly, but I have no reason to believe that she's not in hell right now. And that sounds so horrible, but the, the, the difference is this. Am I going to trust that God is just or do I think that I get to set the standard of justice? I am one that believes that God is just. And that even though I love my mother and don't want her to be in hell, the moment I die, I believe that I will fully understand God's justice in a way I cannot comprehend it today. Yeah. And it will make perfect sense, even more than it does right now. And, and let me touch base with son. The, you did say, I, I wrote, I've written two books. What, what do they believe? What do we believe? Okay. What do they believe is on world religions? It covers Judaism, Catholicism, Islam, Jehovah's Witness, Mormonism, Christianity. Uh, looks at six major doctrines. What's their authority? Their, their view of the Trinity, specifically. Mm-hmm. Their view of Christ's deity, man's sinfulness, mm-hmm. salvation, and time. So it looks okay. at those doctrines. Uh, then I have a book, What Do We Believe?, which is Christian doctrine. Looks at those in more, more in depth. Looks at things like the church. Best chapter, most important chapter, I should say, is the second chapter in that book, What Do We Believe?, because it talks about biblical reliability, why we can trust the scriptures. They haven't been edited like people say to try to discredit it. But here's the thing I I never expected on what do they believe. I didn't expect how many people would buy that book for other people as if it's an evangelistic tool, and it was never meant to be. Oh, interesting. It, It wasn't meant to refute them. It wasn't meant to defend Christianity. It was meant to say, here's accurately what they believe. So when you talk to someone of that faith, they would go, oh, you really understand my religion. Uh, I like that because I think that's a great way because too many times evangelicals, uh, evangelical Christians, um, we can focus on, on how we're right and they're wrong, but instead we should focus on what they believe so that we can understand them better. I like that. Well, so that's, keep that's, going, a big keep part what, that's a big part of what we do on, on my podcast, The Rap Report, when I have others on. Part of what we do with the Christian Podcast Community, eventually, you're going to see we're going to end up on Christian Podcast Community. We're going to have a theological throwdown. Everyone in the community can discuss a theological topic and disagree. Ooh. We're going to do it in love and charity. Yes. I, yeah, because like Matt Slick and I actually travel to debate one another. We get asked to go to conferences so we can debate one another. Because is, is Matt Slick a, another Christian? Uh, he's sorry a Christian apologist at okay. CARM.org, uh, okay. one of the largest apologetics websites, C-A-R-M.org. Okay. And he and I disagree theologically. He's Presbyterian. I'm Baptist. He's covenant theologian, sort of. I'm dispensational, sort of. But you he don't told, disagree that Jesus is the Savior of the world. No, and that's the okay. thing. <laughs> that, and, and so that's where we, you know, that's where there's, the the what I ended up doing in the second edition that just came out of what do they believe is to make it more evangelicalistic is I added an an epilogue I added a section of what makes Christianity unique what is it that we as Christians agree what makes it unique from every world religion you you brought up actually two of them okay first it and is I didn't fact. intend this this is not scripted in any way people <laughs> yeah so here, here's the thing though first one. It's only within Christianity that you have a God who is fully just, fully merciful. Mm. If there is a punishment for a consequence, a judge can be just and punish, or he can be merciful and let you go, but he can't do both. However, the judge, in, in this case, could take the punishment himself. Now it's been paid, and because of that, can offer mercy. Only within Christianity do you see that. Only within Christianity do you have, as you mentioned, some, it's based on a, a specific person. You can have Mormonism without Joseph Smith. You can have Islam without Muhammad. You can't have Christianity without Jesus Christ because he's 100% God, 100% man. Being fully God, he can pay an eternal fine that we owe. Being fully man, he can pay a fine for other human beings. The third thing, and you, you mentioned this, it is by faith alone. Mm-hmm. It's, it's because of what, it's 
whose works? That's what it really comes down to. Mm-hmm. All human religions add human effort mm-hmm. in some way to getting right with God. Only within Christianity do you see God did all the work. So it's a religion of divine work or human work. Yeah, and then but the, the then the argument comes, oh, so you're saying, and then they'll bring out the worst person in history, Hitler or whatever. They could be in heaven. And you know what? That isn't ultimately for me to judge. But there's also, and this is biblical um, in James, I believe, specifically it talks about this, is that by our actions you will know them. And in other parts of the Bible too, I'm sure. You'll probably know better than I will. But the point is, is that if you do have faith, you will do your best to keep the commandments. You will do your best to uh, be a disciple of Christ and be more like Christ, so to say. But I always kind of laugh because we cannot be like Christ because we cannot be perfect. And, well, we, cannot be, and we cannot be God. <laughs> I'll, I'll ask it this way, and this will show you the problem that people that ask that question, they have a problem. The problem is their starting point. Yes. Jeremy, would God be just if he punished Every single human being that ever lived, is living, will live to hell. Um, I'm going to say yes because of sin, um, but I, I, I don't know if that's where you're, where you're going. Yeah, that's um, exactly where I'm going. Okay, and that's yeah. the, point. The, the starting point that people that argue the way you, you said is yeah. they think that somehow our starting point is heaven and God sentences us to hell. Yeah, that's no, right. our starting point is hell because of yeah. sin. And God, for some reason, the question isn't why does God send anyone to hell? The question is why does God allow anybody into heaven? Yes. Don't and, deserve- then, and then people are like, well, are you saying that you're better? No, this isn't about us. This is about one man that died on the cross and rose from the dead who was also happened to be God. See, I always tell people that the most controversial person that ever lived, I don't think was Hitler. I don't think it was I don't think it was anybody else. I think the most controversial person that ever lived was Jesus. And then the next question, though, is why? Mm. Why was he the most controversial person that ever lived? And Andrew, I believe that's because he was God, and there was nobody else that was God. So um, but that, that's, my, that's my faith. That's what I believe. Um, with that being said, I want to go into, um, if you don't mind, uh, I want to go into a legendary legacy for men and, and what I'm what I'm building and what I'm doing. I have done more self-improvement stuff than gosh, anybody else that I know. And, uh, you know, what now, I, when you what think self-improvement, you're talking about physical as well. Cause if I, yes, you, know, yeah. you got a bunch of stuff on physical, you know, now my, my name, Andrew may mean manly, but I think you're living up to it. <laughs> better than me. I'm just saying. Uh, it, uh, yes. Physical fitness is part of that, but I, but I've always, um, not always. I, I have felt that, especially recently, that I wanted to be more than fitness for myself. And um, there's a great book out there, and I want to throw this out there. Uh, my my group already knows this. It's called Called to Create. It's for entrepreneurs and people that create anything. So artists and singers, uh, please read that book. I think it'll it'll give you uh, energy and it'll give you faith that you may not have had in your in your uh, calling. I believe that any any work that a Christian does is their calling, but I want to point out here is that uh, being an entrepreneur and being a business owner can be very, very challenging. But in that book, he talks about how, you know what, maybe it's your calling to do that. And God wants you to do that just as much as uh, a pastor. Uh, I think there's also something in our society that pastors and, and people that are, are uh, in authority that way, that they're somehow better. And that's not, not true. Um, any work that a person does is their calling, whether they're a stay-at-home mom, a stay-at-home dad, whatever they're doing uh, is part of their calling. So um, can you speak about your background? Did I see that you are science-based or, or into IT or something? Can you, can you talk about that and how that has shaped and formed maybe your, your, your belief systems or your, your faith? Yeah, well, I have a, I have a wide range of background, uh, but my, my formal training is, is, is in computer science. Wow. Uh, so I do have years of programming websites, things like that. Okay. Um, I have a, a background which also forms things physically in the physical fitness. I I'm, I'm a, you know, I used to be a runner. I should say that okay. I haven't been running as well, uh, but I used to train for marathons, never actually got to do one 
uh, would either get injured or get food poisoning the night before. Horrible. I had all the training. Oh. Uh, I have a background in martial arts, so I do, oh, okay. I do enjoy that. I do enjoy jiu-jitsu. Um, called the gentle art. It has none of the Eastern mysticism in there and whatnot. But uh, that, that's an important point. I, you bring up a lot of good things. Um, I, I think a lot of people, uh, Christians, they, 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 they're, they're into yoga and they're into, and they don't realize that's actually, um, that's centered in a different religion. And the religion is, um, uh, help me out. Is it well, it's, it, Hinduism and Buddhism have Hinduism and Buddhism, Indian, yes. the, the Eastern religions have this idea with the yoga where stretching is good. I like how uh, uh, for Matt Slick from Karm, how he explained, he says there's a difference between stretching and yoga. Yes. Stretching strength, is good. Strength stretching is what I like to call it. We, and if you want to, you can focus on God, you can focus on the Bible, and that's fine. Uh, but a lot of times they either subtly or even more directly uh, they have the faith of, um, the, like you said, the the religions of uh, Hinduism and Buddhism and stuff like that, which uh, a Christian would obviously not believe in, and that that's okay. Uh, in our society, we should have freedom of of faith, and we can want to believe whatever we want to believe, and that should be that should be fine. Uh, as Christians, I feel like you can have sometimes any faith, but if you start talking about Jesus watch out, uh, you're going to get in trouble. You can see that in the corporate world all the way, uh, all the way all over the place. So, um, well, I think, I think here's the thing that I'm, I'm starting to think through a lot more, especially because there's been this influx of social justice warriors coming into the church and trying to argue that the church needs to be focused on social justice. Mm-hmm. I think the church needs to be focused on um, exalting God Yes. Edifying and equipping the saints yeah. and evangelizing the lost. Yeah. That's our, our you know, vision at Striving for Eternity. That's what the church should be doing. Yep. Now, it's, it's really kind of interesting because what have we seen? We've seen a culture in Western culture where they have been trying very hard to remove God from culture. However, God created us community-based. God created us where we are. Everywhere you go in the world, you have people that will have a God consciousness. They have, they identify with other people that are like them mm-hmm. and they're willing to die for that. Mm-hmm. Look, there are people flying themselves into, you know, uh, buildings and planes because of what they believe. If, if true or false isn't the issue. The issue is they're willing to die for what they believe. Mm-hmm. You remove God. What is it that these people are all holding as community? Well, it's, it's their social justice now. Mm-hmm. That's why you're seeing people that it, it's, it's starting to become very crazy. I don't know if you saw the, the guy who kicked the woman that was standing outside of a, a pro-life, you know, she was basically, she was pro-life. And I, I guess she was outside of an abortion clinic or something. And the guy did something to destroy her property. And then he kicked her. Mm. And it's like, he thinks that's, you know, it's like, it's okay to kick her phone. Now he kicked her. He said he was just want to kick the phone, but he, he, in his mind, it's justified to damage other people's property Yes. just because I disagree with you. That's scary. That is the same kind of religious fervor that they complain about religions. And that's the interesting thing. They don't recognize that they have it. But the difference I think that I have and many Christians have is we recognize that people can can do that and have that mindset. They don't. Um, but when you talk about a legacy, I'm also at a different stage of life. Uh, having, I mean, now I have a daughter who is soon to be married. And oh, so, congratulations. Thank you. And I'm trying desperately to fit into the tux. Um, <laughs> I, I actually bought the tux before she was before she was even at before he even came to my house and asked me. Um, so I was a little bit excited. Just saying, uh, it was on sale. <laughs> I did. We established I'm Jewish, right? I'm gonna save the money. Um, but but here's the thing, you know, I've gone to the stage now where I've raised my children. How many um, children do you have? Can you speak about that? Yeah, I have. I have two children. I have my son. He's um. I don't think marriage is on the horizon yet for him. He just entered his master's program for occupational therapy. Oh, okay. Uh, 
Great. Yeah, he's, he's out in Texas. My, my daughter uh, completed her degree in uh, cellular biochemistry at Cedarville University. Great university, by the way. Uh, Cedarville, is that a, a public or private university? That would be private. It's a Christian university. It is a Christian university. Yes. I went to a Christian college, so um, I'm going to have to look them up when I'm done here. That's great. I was just going to ask, are they Christians? Uh, so they're, they are not Jewish, they are Christians. Well, here's, here's the thing. What I really loved, <laughs> when I, this is probably a side note, but we got there for the parent orientation and Dr. White is explaining about basically all the things they want to do to train the students spiritually, to help them mature, to help them grow in their spiritual faith so that they would go out and evangelize in whatever field they go to work in. And he's like, oh, they're going to get a good education. You're spending the money for an education. They're going to get that too. You know, it was like, right. it, it, like I, I got to know him well after that because I was like, I was so impressed that the the major concern that they have is training them to influence the world, not letting the world influence them. Mm-hmm. And so I I love Cedarville, a uh, big supporter of them. But my my daughter is now going to get married, and so we're we're at that stage now where you know my in laws have passed away, um, and I and my wife is Asian, so this becomes a big deal in in Asian culture, but. The family actually made me the head of the family, which, and I'm like an outsider, but it, it, oh, I'm okay. with that next generation where I'm now what I always saw my parents as. I'm, I'm the one that's going to have the grandchildren and, and be the, the, the fatherly figure for the family. And it's, it's, it's a new experience in that way. And you got to deal with that because this, this is how life ends up happening. But a, a big part that you have to do as your children get older that I think for many younger parents, younger fathers, have a plan to let go. Maybe okay. I say this because I have 25 years of counseling, specifically with marriage, and you end up realizing that a lot of people either having problems with their parents having not let go of them and still want to be controlling and it affects a marriage, or people that can't let go of their children or their children become the whole focus. So when their children move out, they don't know what to do. Yep. Have a plan for that. Mm-hmm. Have a plan. I mean, when my kids were in high school, they didn't even know this was happening until they, they grew up. My daughter ended up sitting down with me one time and said, she ended up realizing that in high school, our relationship started changing. I started letting go, letting them make their own mistakes, being a lot less productive in, in some of those ways. And, letting them suffer the consequences, the natural mm-hmm. consequences of decisions they made. Mm-hmm. By sophomore year, I was really focusing on each of them to say, okay, what do you want to do the rest of your life? Mm-hmm. Let's have a plan. So that when they started looking at colleges, okay, now, because you got to know where you, what you want to do the rest of your life to know where to go to college. And and I started get letting go year by year. So that by the time they got to, to being a senior, they were acting as adults while they were in my house. They knew they had to set their own rules while they were still in my house. They set their own bedtimes. They set their schedules. I just let them suffer natural consequences. Mm -hmm. Get in the way of that. Why? Because I didn't want them getting to college and having that, Mm -hmm. and not not having that. So, so by senior year, I transformed that relationship into more of a coaching relationship with them. Interesting. So that they could come to me with things Mm -hmm. and start building that in where now they're away from college. Whenever there's issues, they can call me. That relationship's very established that they know they can call me from anywhere and say, hey, what do you think about this? Hey, I got this decision. I want to do this. And I'm giving advice and I'm helping them, but I'm not trying to control them. I'm saying whatever you want to do. And now I'm at a different stage with my daughter because you know, we kind of know she comes to me with stuff and she's like, I want to know what you think about this. And, and now I'm getting into the thing at this stage in her life is to say, what does your future husband think about this? Mm-hmm. Right. She's, she's trying to make some career decisions. Does she go for her PhD in, you know, cellular biochemistry and do research or maybe teach at a university or does she do something completely different? I mean, if she goes and spends five years getting a PhD mm-hmm. and then starts having kids, that could be a waste of money, right? Those are important decisions. And I'm like, well, you and your fiance got to start discussing that. And she's like, I know, we've been discussing it. I want to know your advice. You yeah. see, now I can't say well, this is what you should do. I need, to, I need to recognize that at her stage in life, her and her husband 
have they've they they should have both left mother and father mm-hmm. they leave mm-hmm. now they cleave to one another mm-hmm. and they they interweave their own relationship so that they are one mm-hmm. and I need to encourage that as a parent, so I need to be saying hey have you have you spoken with your fiance about this yes okay so what do, what do you guys think about that and now I'm giving the advice from that perspective that is something most parents don't think through, but if you want to leave a lasting legacy. You, you need to, to know up front the stages of life that your children are going to have and be appropriate in that each of those stages, even though the kids don't understand. Like I said, <clears throat> my daughter didn't pick up on some of the things I did when she was in high school till she was halfway or, or three quarters of the way through college. Interesting. <clears throat> so it could be six, seven years before they see some of the things that we were doing. And she, she ended up saying she didn't realize it until she started hanging out with other friends, with their parents. She would go home to, to like from as a college student and go home with other friends and see how her other friends are with their parents and be like, man, my dad is not that way. My mom's not that way. They're not so controlling with us. They treat us mm-hmm. like adults, not like we're still children. Yep. And it's a big problem that people bring into marriages when that you know, it doesn't happen. I mean, my mother was that way. Uh, a Jewish mother, very controlling, mm-hmm. lots of guilt. Um, and if, if you don't, if you haven't experienced Jewish grandmother guilt, you know, you haven't experienced guilt, just say. <laughs> but here's the thing. Um, what, when, my, when I got married, my mother tried to pit my wife versus my mother. She wanted me mm. to make a decision between my wife and my mother. Wow. Very early on, I had to explain to my mother. I sat her down and said, Mom, look, I love you. And it's my stepmom, obviously, since I mentioned my mom passed away. But I still call her mom. So uh, so I I said, Mom, I love you very much. But I need to be very clear and upfront with you. My wife will always take priority in my relationships. And if you ever expect me to choose you over my wife, you will lose 100% of the time, I will always put my wife, my bride before you. And it's one of the things people, my wife and I are going to be married, uh, this May we'll be married 25 years. Congratulations. Thank you. She is still my bride. Mm -hmm. People always ask me about that. You always, online, you always refer to her as your bride. That's right. Because I never want that honeymoon to end. I never want it to be a point where she's just the old lady. I mean, listen to the way people speak of their spouses, mm-hmm. their old lady, you know, you know, wife that's just like, no, that bride is that excitement where you love being with her. I, there's no one more other than Christ that I want to spend time with than my bride. Mm. And that is the way we have to be within marriage. I just did a, a podcast. I, I do a, I have a daily podcast Monday through Friday. It's two minutes long uh, called The Rap Report. And then I have a weekly hour long one. And the two minute one that I that was released today when we're, they, they were airing or recording, I should say, I did it on lashing out of your spouses. And I talk about the fact after years of counseling, there are so many couples I counsel who lash out in anger toward one another because they're comfortable with it. They got used to that pattern and they would rather, even though they know it's damaging their marriage, damaging their relationship, hurting themselves, they'd rather do that than change because change is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And people get into these routines that they must change. Here's the motivation I give for why that couples should never be lashing out in anger, using harsh words toward their spouses trying to purposely hurt them just to end conversations because that's what commonly happens. Someone will say something, they know they're pushing the buttons. It's purposely hurtful. They know they're going to cause great pain to their spouse, but they do it because they want the conversation to end. Mm-hmm. Here's the reason that you don't do that. What does marriage reflect? Uh, Mar- your relationship with Christ. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Do you want Christ lashing out with you the way you want to lash out at your spouse? 
Not unless there was something like the temple. That's the only time that, <laughs> yeah. Well, there are other times. And that wasn't that wasn't believers. He was doing. Yes, that. <laughs> no, that was uh, that was set up in a way that they had put um, they had put earthly things above God. And then we could talk about money too, and how money is not the root of all evil. That passage is is incorrect. The love of money, which I believe is greed. But well, the, I, I didn't know. I didn't realize that you had. Was done. Flip. The, the, the the passage is correct. It's the way people quote it that's not correct. Correct. You you quoted it correctly with what the passage says. Exactly. Um. So thank you. Uh. So you have done marriage counseling. So you have a unique. So can you talk about that? Like, what is a legendary legacy? Christ centered, of course. And I use legendary legacy. And it almost like the focus is on you and it's not, not meant to be, but I, I just like those words. Um, but it's focused on Christ. I think that you cannot have a legendary legacy until you have that. But after you have Christ, what does a legendary legacy mean for you and your marriage, for your children, and uh, as, a, as a believer, as a, as a Christian in general? Could you share with, with us? Uh, yeah, the, and let me deal with it in those, in those ways. So let me start yeah. with the marriage. A, a legacy would be that as much as humanly possible, my bride and I reflect the relationship that Christ has with his church. Church, Good. As much as humanly possible. Yeah. I'm a sinner. You clearly, she knows that. <laughs> um, but the reality is, is that in a marriage, it wants to be that reflection of Christ and the church. Now, when it comes to the family, the children, mm-hmm. you have two categories. I am of the belief that we do not get to save our children. <laughs> As much as we might want to. Nope. We can only mentor and lead them and coach them, like you said. I thought that was really good. Yeah, and, and I have younger kids, so I, that was good advice. I, I like yeah, your it. kids are still young. Yeah. But, you, know, you, you can't save them as much as you're going to want to. That is between them and God. So there are mm-hmm. people who have unsafe children. There's those that have saved children. So I want to speak to both because a lasting legacy would be different. Okay. My prayer when my kids were growing up was always the same. I'd sit at, I'd kneel at their bedside. Even when they got older and they're sleeping, I, would, I don't sleep. So when I would go to bed, they were out like a light. Um, I'd go to bed about four in the morning. And so I would be praying each night for them. And I would sit at the bedside of, while they're sleeping, and I'd be praying the same prayer for each of them, that I would ask that God would do a work in their life so that they would grow to be a godly man and a godly woman who would do things to glorify God. Mm-hmm. What's the motivation? I want God to glorify himself through their life. Amen. Yeah. That actually works whether they're a believer or not. Hmm. I've had the opportunity with my daughter who really, I'm starting to see her, as her spiritual walk is really growing, how our conversation is very different. We, we discuss theology. She'll come to me with passages of scripture and it really is an interesting thing because when you grow up with a father who travels and speaks at conferences, it's like, God, oh, we got to go with him here. And they, like, they get tired of hearing <laughs> dad speak. Uh, a lot of it changed when I spoke at her university mm. and all of a sudden it was, you know, she was, it's her dad that's speaking, right? The relationship really changed at that point because now it's not, you know, oh, that's my, you know, like, that's my dad. Yeah. He goes and speaks. Just <laughs> come to her her university, and they know who I am. I know who they are. And she she had one guy. She mentioned, you know, oh yeah, you know, I I think you know my dad. And she's like, you know, oh, who's your dad? Andrew Rapport. And he was just like he he was. He said he called me. He's like, I met your daughter. I said he's like, I was so upset she had to rush. I was hoping mm. we could sit and I'd buy her lunch and just talk with her. And she's like, why would he want to do that? <laughs> you know, I'm like, because we're we're good friends. <laughs> Like, you know, she thought it was a different aspect of it. Here was the thing that was interesting. She started to see me in a different light. Mm -hmm. Why? Because of the way I started treating her long ago. Mm. You see, that's when she started to notice some of that. And we have a very different relationship now than we did a year ago, two years ago, five years ago. It's very different. And I'm starting to see in her the man she's choosing to marry and the, the concern she has for someone that's going to lead her spiritually, someone who's going to challenge her intellectually and spiritually. That's a legacy. Mm -hmm. I don't think that she would have had that mindset 
if I was trying to tell her everything she should do, if I was trying to make sure she did the things I think she should do. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you can have parents who say, well, okay, but I don't have children or I may have a child that doesn't believe. What's a lasting legacy? Well, here's what would be the lasting legacy. I used to do, well, I still do this sometimes. When I run into these guys that are the hardcore atheists, I do a lot of street evangelism. And when I'm out on the street and I talk to people, hand them a gospel track, trying to have a one-on-one conversation, they say they're an atheist. And they're really hardcore atheists. I always ask, so what church did you grow up in? Mm-hmm. Do you know only once someone didn't have a church that they could tell me? So much of it, they're responding and reacting to the way they grew up. Either the church, something happened in the church, the yep. legalism in their church, or, or yep. hypocrites in the church. Or, and they're really not hypocrites. The church is where we have sinners that act like sinners. If you want to avoid the hypocrites, don't go to work, don't go to the malls, don't go to the movies. That's well, where people say they're a good don't, person. Don't, don't be alive because uh, you yourself will be a sinner. So, yeah, and I have seen that. I'm glad you brought that up um, with people that were Christian. And they're like, well, they're such hypocrites. And then, you know, you got to take a step back. When they say that somebody else is being hypocritical, what they're actually saying is I'm being a hypocrite, calling them a hypocrite. (laughs) And I say I'm a good person. And, you know, I always tell this to people, like, you, you expect the church full of people that claim they're sinners that have been forgiven. You think they're not sinners like some how's that they're admitting they're sinners yes like the entrance to the church (laughs) you don't need a savior if you're not if you don't have any if you're perfect you don't need a savior yeah Um, and now through god's eyes perfect and you you and i talked about this beforehand we don't become perfect yes until we die it's not because we're christian that we suddenly become perfect we try yes and we're perfect in god's eyes but that's, again, the whole doctrine. That's the right. whole faith. We're perfect because God decided. And there's a great video out there. And, and for the listeners, I think you should watch this. It's about this guy. He's putting his son on a train. And the train, have you seen this, Andrew? And the train ends up, um, they have to, he, the father has to let the son die to save the rest of the people on the train. And oh, it's yeah, a great, yeah. yeah, so it's a great... Well, I, I know, I haven't seen a video on that. I know there's an analogy yes. that people often use where... It's the, a sermon the, and analogy. Um, yeah, the there's a video on it, and I great. highly recommend that you watch it because it, it tears you up because uh, God sent a son that had to die. There was no other way for us to be able to be in heaven, and that is such a freeing thing. That is not a legalism thing. That is a freeing thing. And you can call me a Jesus freak, whatever you want to call me on that. But the truth of the matter is, is if that's the truth, then believing in that is freeing, not, not um, the legalism in the church. And, and yes, and, and what kind of church do you go to, uh, Andrew? I'm curious. I go to a Baptistic church. It's a, okay. a Bible church, a non-denominational. I've, I've always okay. been non, non-denominational since I've been in, in churches um, but which is which is a denomination of non-denominational? People. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it really has become, and and really, unfortunately, the problem I, I'm starting to have with non-denominational churches is that you end up seeing that's where you there's no there's less accountability, and you get all, all kinds of craziness. But I, I do want I should finish up with you know the encouragement to the to the parents who di- who have unsaved children. Yes. Yeah, what thank you it, for getting us back on track. <laughs> yeah. What does a lasting legacy look like for them? Here, here's the thing. A lasting legacy is not just that someone is going to believe in Christ because we can't control that. But I can present the truths of Scripture in such a way that my children, whether they believe it or not, know that I was living as faithful as I could Mm -hmm. to the truths of Scripture Mm -hmm. and that I was accurate with not only what I believe, with others believe, because when they start to think you're being hypocritical, it becomes an excuse to reject it. I'm very clear about my sin. when When I sinned against my children, I'd be very quick to ask their forgiveness. You know, it was funny. I did sound to my son once and and he was like, Dad, will you stop asking me to forgive you every time you do something wrong? What am I trying to do there? He, I mean, he picked up on that. He picked up on it and ended up realizing that this is something we do. When we do something wrong, 
we ask forgiveness. Mm-hmm. I had a father who never did that. My father, we talked a little bit th- about this, but my father is a very prideful man, uh, just with the way he was brought up and whatnot. And he never admitted wrong. Mm. Like ever. I don't think I've ever heard my father say he was wrong. Even when I tried sharing the gospel with him and he, he punched me. And as I said to you, private. He was a golden gloves boxer in the army. He knew how to throw a punch. Even at 72 years old, he, mm-hmm. his right cross had a nice uh, punch to it. <laughs> um, but, but the thing is, is that... I, I'm sorry that that, that had to happen, that, that that did happen. Yeah, but you know, even in that, with something like that, we're, we're on better terms now. He never even asked forgiveness of that. I never... That's not a lasting legacy. A, a legacy of that I'm never wrong, even though you know your kids know you've done wrong at times. Yes. <laughs> yes. That, that lasting legacy is your kids always knowing that you recognize when you do wrong and you're quick to ask forgiveness. I want it to be where if I have unsaved children, and this would be the lasting legacy for folks, is that they can't blame you for their unbelief. That you have done everything to get yourself out of the way so that Christ would shine. Yeah. And so that when they reject the gospel, it is clearly because they hate Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That should be the thing. Now, that is that. How's that a lasting legacy? Well, in one sense, because they're not going to be misrepresenting who Christ is, mm-hmm. even if they don't believe. Mm-hmm. That is the big thing I end up seeing. A lot of people they misrepresent Christianity in their unbelief. I would want my children to accurately portray what Christianity believes, even if they don't believe it. Mm-hmm. And that would be the lasting legacy because you never know what God is going to do in their heart. You never know what God is going to do through them. What about in terms of, that's great with uh, your family. What about in terms of your, your work and your career and, and, and things of that nature? Um, and we didn't really get into that, your background with uh, the computer, uh, computer science, I think you, you yeah. said. Um, you can tell you're very intellectual. Um, sometimes intellectualism can, I don't want to say get in the way of, uh, people can ex- try to explain away God. Um, I don't think it works, but <laughs> uh, but I have faith. So, um, yeah, can you speak about what a legacy means for you in terms of your health, your 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 fitness, and your career? Yeah. So so let's go through them. So my health. Uh, I'm. I mean, I I actually used to be a glutton. That's what actually killed my running. I used to jokingly say that I ran to eat so I could eat like a pig and it wouldn't show. And I used to joke about it. But when I was counseling a guy on that had food issues. I actually started realizing as I was counseling him that I was the glutton. I had a problem. And when I came to terms with that, I actually, it ruined my running. Um, I never got into long-term running. I don't have time to do the exercise I'd like to do. I really enjoy doing jujitsu. It's just a time thing now. Uh, I do enjoy running and lifting. I try to do those things. Why? Because I want to honor what God's given me. I'm, I'm not, I'm a little overweight, not much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I can't allow myself to get much overweight. I just, I, it, that would be to me, it, it's, it's God's given me this body to, to have a stewardship over. I need to take that stewardship. That's a good way of putting it. As far as work, I have a thing when I would, at secular work, I'd come into a new, a new place. And, and by the way, I met my wife at work. I discipled her at work. That's how we met. I was discipling her. Basically, I, I would take a, people that I work with out to lunch. I would pay. I would tell them I'm paying. Why? Because if I'm buying lunch, I can pretty much say whatever I want. <laughs> and they're willing and they're guaranteed, to And they're guaranteed to be there. <laughs> yes. So I say, hey, can I, you know, I'd like to buy lunch for you, just get to know you better. And, and we, this first part of the conversation, I will always spend asking them about themselves, learning more about them. Second half of the conversation, I'm going to spend sharing the gospel. Uh, I run with people at lunch. And I, all my, all the secular places I worked, I would, I would work, I'd run during lunch and I'd, I'd grab guys that we could run with, um, at, you know, or I should say most of the secular places, uh, that I worked. So, so the thing is, is I, if, if there were believers there, I would use lunchtime, my own time for discipling. Like I said, that's how I met my wife. Now, what do I do? I have, I, I come in early and pray with other believers. We used to get in early and we'd pray and read scripture and do a Bible study. We'd get together for lunch, do Bible study. 
I'm trying to build that at work. Here's the thing. I, I wouldn't proselytize or share the gospel, evangelize on work time. Mm-hmm. But people knew that I was a Christian. Almost every job I worked at, people would, would turn to me. They'd use foul language. like, oh, sorry, Andrew. I never asked people to correct their language except for once that I would do it. If people use Jesus Christ's name as foul language, that's when I would address it. I had one workplace where there was this guy, this guy named Bill. He professed to be a Christian. I don't believe he was a Christian. I don't think the others we worked with believed he was a Christian. Now, I ultimately, went to, ultimately, though, that's up to God. That's a, no, I can't right. judge his heart. Yeah. I, I'm only looking at fruit. Yeah. <clears throat> but here's the thing that happened. Here's this guy. I, I talked to him privately. I pulled him aside and said, look, <clears throat> you know, I, you keep using the name of Christ as foul language. Um, you want to use foul language, you know, that's part of the way you speak. I understand that. But I'm asking you, if you have any respect for me, this is someone who died in my place, who I love dearly, and you're, you're dragging him through the mud. I mean, would you want the name of your wife, your mother to be dragged out that way? And he's like, no. I said, well, I'm just asking you, at least around me, it hurts me when you use the name of Jesus Christ as foul language that you drag his name in the mud. And it bothers me. Mm-hmm. And so we're in a meeting once, and he, he did it accidentally and was quick to go, Andrew, I'm sorry, I, I used Jesus' name in foul, foul language. Forgive me. And this other guy was like, hey, how come you never watch your, that around me? And this was his words. He said, because Andrew believes what he preaches. Hmm. You see, the world was watching, and they That's knew that I carried out. I tried to, to, to do my work with integrity. I tried to show love and care to my fellow coworkers. Mm-hmm. They saw a difference. So at your workplace, it's not the place to be evangelizing, but you, there are ways you can do it. I take guys out. I have, I have guys, you know, that like sushi. Hey, I'll buy the sushi. Nobody refuses someone buying sushi because it's expensive. Will I be willing to pay for sushi just because, and for you sushi haters, sorry. Um, <laughs> you know, am I willing to pay for that just to share the gospel? Yes. Yes, yes absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. I won't take the money with me. But yeah. if that person hears the gospel, that has eternal value. That's actually well, the meaning behind our, our whole ministry, striving for eternity, that yep. we would have an eternal mindset. Right. Look at that which has eternal lasting value. That's why when you say yep. a legacy, this is the thing we have at our ministry <clears throat> that goes far beyond. We're looking at that legacy of sitting at the feet of Christ. Why is it that I can have discussions of different people theologically that disagree with me, and yet we get along. I do a podcast with with the host of Theology Gals. She's Presbyterian. I'm Baptist. We talk about our differences. Mm -hmm. We just did a podcast on the Sabbath. We have differing views on that. What is it that everyone is saying when they listen to that? Man, you guys have such strong differing views, and yet you you get along so well. Yes, that's important. I have another podcast that's responding to my podcast on the Sabbath. They're Reformed Baptists. They disagree with me on the okay. And the way they're doing it, it's, we, you know, they're ripping me in a more joking way they're, and because I joke with them. Okay. And we, we have a lot of fun back and forth about yeah. our dis- disagreements. You know, I am wrong theologically. Jeremy, I hope you don't get upset, but you're wrong theologically. Yep. We just don't know where that is. Right. If we did, we would change. Yep. We will know. That's our sinful human nature that we can never avoid. And that's why I like that you're bringing this up because in the end, as Christians, we need to focus on the similarities. Yes, we can talk about these things. uh, And yes, they are important, but we need to focus on the uh, unbelievers and the ones that do not have faith. Um, and, and be able to, and you said something that we're not able to evangelize. And I understand what you're saying. I do want to challenge you though. I think that by your actions, you will know them. So even even evangelizing can be without words and it can be by your actions. And I think that that's another way that we can evangelize in the workplace uh, that maybe is secular. Um, I happen to uh, be able to decide and, uh, have been in places where, uh, Christian faith was part of the business. So, um, 
uh, I hope that makes sense, and and I, I hope that that that's a challenge to you, to to to, and to the listeners that by our actions, you can implement doing the right thing, having integrity, taking people out if they want to for, for dinner for lunch, or for lunch, things of that nature. So that was great bringing that up. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think you and I agree on this, is <laughs> salvation is a work of God, not us. And therefore, I'm not, by my actions and behavior, going to cause anybody to be saved. No. I'm not going to cause anybody to lose their salvation or to not, or to reject Christ. God does that work. But However, he can work through you, though. Exactly. Yeah. He, works, he, works, he can work through actions I do. Yeah. I could be offensive and cause somebody to, to, to allow their pride to, to suppress the truth even more. Yeah. I don't want that. So what do I do? I want to do everything I can so that the only offense is the gospel alone. Mm-hmm. And I remove myself from being the offense. Yep. Great. Is there anything else that you would like to add before we finish up today? I, I enjoyed our time here, and uh, uh, you know, if you want me on your podcast too, I'm I'm willing to to do that. Uh, I'd like to know what to speak about, but <laughs> be, be prepared. I would be I would be nervous if we're going to talk about fitness with your background because <laughs> I might feel even more guilty that I'm not devoting enough time as I should. Well, there is a passage in the Bible. I'll, I'll just say this that. Uh, physical training is of some good, uh, but spiritual spiritual training is of utmost importance. So, uh, I find that that's a that's a great verse because I, I find this really interesting. It, it, I've I've yet to have this not be true, but there's two ways people interpret that passage. Uh, yeah, I want to I want to hear your. Uh, <laughs> I find that people like you and I, who try to stay in shape and try to stay fit, yep. interpret that 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 physical you know fitness is good it has really good value it has value nothing compared to the spiritual value yep the guys that are out of shape always seem to say like have it like that's just a little good (laughs) but it's the spiritual that we should be focusing on yeah i just Uh, i think that it's just justifying their behavior is what you're saying yes Uh, i do i seem to notice that trend hey but i'll i'll encourage folks on you know you could go to striving for eternity.org Yes, please, we please have share. share. a lot of resources out there. We have an online school that you can take for free. Yeah, that's how we make our money. Um, something's wrong <laughs> with our business model. No, we, we offer the classes on YouTube for free because I don't want to put a price tag on, the, on training people. And so we, we charge for the syllabuses that people can get. That's how we can afford to put those classes on. So we have several classes, hundreds of, of hours of, of lectures, uh, classes on how to interpret the Bible called hermeneutics. We have classes on systematic theology, how to disciple people. We have classes on introduction to world religions. So we're working on more. We also do, you know, I travel and speak. So I come to churches. We have seminars we do. I do a seminar on Bible interpretation made easy. We have seminars on apologetics, presuppositional apologetics, evangelism, creation science, um, we have a, an expert, one of the leading experts in Georgia is one of our speakers on the issue of sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. And he's got scary statistics. So many churches think that they could just trust the fact that they go and do background checks. He counsels hundreds of sexual offenders a week. And he said that every time, or he said the statistics show that 75% of, of offenders are first-time offenders. In other words, they've been committing these crimes for multiple times before they ever got caught. Mm-hmm. So the background checks only catch the 25% that got caught. Mm-hmm. That's it. So you need to be able to identify how to, how to spot people that are grooming people in the church, things like that. Those are seminars that we do. We, um, obviously, we have some books. I mentioned What Do They Believe. You can get it at whatdotheybelieve.com or what do we believe at whatdoweBelievebook.com. We get both of them at strivingforeternity.org at our store um, where we have some other books. Uh, that we we produce. Uh, We are working on a podcast community, a community of podcasters helping one another to improve their podcast, to grow and to be able to to have mutual benefit. My podcast is called The Rap Report, if you get my last name, Rappaport. (laughs) Uh, I thought it was the corniest thing. I was convinced that Dr. Silvestro, that I was going to prove to him that this was a corny name. We went to a shepherd's conference and I'm sitting there polling everybody. And everyone's like, that name's great. I'm like, I am stuck with this thing. So <laughs> it is the rap report. I started a new podcast with my friend Matt Slick from CARM called Apologetics Live. That's every Thursday night. 
we do it on right now on Google Hangouts, but if you go to apologeticslive.com, you can watch it there. You can join if you have apologetics questions, you have challenges for, for Matt or I about what we believe. We have a lot of professing atheists that come in and challenge us. We've had uh, some Roman Catholics that want to come in, Mormons. So we get a lot of different things, a lot of different people that come in there. And that's a live show. It's like two hours. So it becomes an extended time that we can talk with folks. Mm -hmm. And so that's a new venture that we're just starting. It's part of our Christian podcast community as, as that's continuing to grow. So those are just a few things that we got going on. Oh, you got a lot um, going on. Yeah, yeah. And I do a lot of travel. I, I, you know, we're, if, if folks who know the name, Justin Peters, Justin and I are trying to, we are having to raise some money. We're looking to go to the Philippines where the prosperity gospel is running rampant. Mm. And Justin's an expert in that area. So we're looking to go over there and do some uh, seminars and, and conferences on discernment on several different islands. And so we're looking to do that. That's ways people can help support us is, you know, there's ways to donate and that helps us keep this thing going. We don't charge. We try not to charge for stuff. Um, I mean, I got to charge for things that are printed because mm -hmm. it costs money to do that. Yep, I understand. We have to charge for the books on Kindle because Amazon charges us for them. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, uh, and, and there is nothing wrong with, um, making a little money or a lot of money as long as it is done with, in my opinion, with um, Christ at the center. And I don't care what business that is. Uh, if you're a Christian and you have faith and you're going to be a good steward, uh, I think it's, it's absolutely fine and, uh, uh, and good to do. Okay to do. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I think, I think that there are some people that tell me that I should be living by faith. And I always ask them if they do that at their secular job. I mean, go into your office, your boss's office and say, look, I don't want you to pay me anything. You pay me what you think. Uh, you know, if it's nothing, it's nothing. I'm just, I'm going to live by faith. Yeah. They don't seem to want to do that, but somehow they think that if you're in full-time ministry, you should be doing that. Hmm. Yeah. And if you haven't read Called to Create, I think you would enjoy that book. It's got really high ratings and it's written by a Christian guy and how, um, you know, some people are called to do different things in terms of career now. Uh, we're all called to spread the gospel and, and we're all called to, to, to work and provide and, and do all that. But uh, it's, a, it's a great, it's one of the best books that I ever read for entrepreneurs, artists, and, and, and podcasters. I mean, would be a good example. Anybody that's creating something, uh, he, uh, it's just a great book. I can't speak highly no, enough about it. And then uh, I just want to share my group is Legendary Legacy Mastermind Group. Uh, where we put Christ at the center. I'm especially interested in helping fathers and um, married men because uh, that's the season of my life. And I think that uh, I can help people because I have seen, uh, well, I want to finish up with this. I have seen that Christians, uh, Christian men, fathers can be good at making money. They can be good at, uh, they can be good at, um, their careers, maybe they're good at being a parent, uh, maybe they're good, but getting them all together is really the key of the, of the group with Christ at the center. Uh, as long as Christ is the inspiration, the motivation, uh, getting all those areas together. Fitness, obviously, uh, being a fitness professional for 14 years, but I wanted to branch out and be more of, I know this sounds bad, but a self-improvement Christian-based thing. And when I say self-improvement, I'm not talking about us doing it, but Christ working through us in our sanctified life. So I know Andrew's very uh, doctrinally minded and knows the Bible. So I want to be very clear about that. Um, and, hope, <laughs> and hopefully you can and get behind that in terms of now that we have Christ, we are, we are actually, the Bible tells us we are to maximize our life. We don't know what that might be all the time. Uh, it, it, we, we might think it's this thing, but it's actually something else. Uh, but uh, the, the Bible is clear that we are to keep the Ten Commandments to the best of our ability, and, and uh, we are to provide for our family, and, and uh, we are to work. <laughs> uh, so the Bible is clear on that. And, and we, the spirit, what we talked about in terms of the physical fitness, I think we are commanded to be healthy and fit uh, because we can't spread the gospel if we're not alive. And um, you bring up a, a great point just to highlight it, is the fact that fathers 
or really have that responsibility. Mm -hmm. So many fathers just think that, hey, as long as I'm bringing money home and taking care of the family and they're absent, they're absentee fathers, they're not there. And they think that their job is just to, you know, it's easy to run away from the family and those Mm -hmm. difficult responsibilities for the people you work with. Mm -hmm. And because you don't, you don't really have to live among them. You can always quit and go take another job. Right. So it's easy. You can't, well, some people think you can quit your family, but it shouldn't be. It shouldn't and, be, yeah. And, and this is, you want to have a legacy. Unless uh, in areas of uh, um, unbelief, abuse. Well, um, yeah, but, but see, I, yeah, I, I think that the, the issue is we would we'd be working to try to reconcile it as, yeah. as best we can all the time. And here's the yep. thing. What you end up seeing is this. You want to have a legacy. In America, this is so hard because in America, there's such the individualism that America was based on. And yet you want to have a lasting legacy. It doesn't come in who you are as a person. Yes. It really comes in the legacy that you leave behind. This is what cultures that have a sense of honor always understood. That you're, it's, it's, you don't do things because it will bring shame to your family name. It, but in our case, it's, it's even bigger. Yes. You don't do things because it brings shame on the name of Christ. Yeah, and you do that's it to bring glory to him and right. point to him, and that's where the legacy comes from. And I, 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 and I want to pray for the men in that, that their legacy is always thought about. Now, we are never going to be perfect, but we can work, strive for excellence and perfection um, and, I, and I challenge Christian fathers in all areas of life. Don't just focus on one or the other. Focus on all areas of life. That, that's fitness. That's your career. That's your family. That's um, and, and then centered with Christ. So I hope I hope I'm clear about who I want to help and how I want to help them. Uh, don't don't focus on on one area so much that you lose track. And and obviously you want to be into the word yourself. And somebody said, oh, do I need to be at church? Yes. Do I need to be in the Bible? Yes. Do you need to be in the end of it? Yes. I think people think because um, of what you said before, and I've seen this over and over again, where they've been wronged, but the person with, what does what what God say? The person that's without sin, throw the first stone. You know, I'm dropping that stone. <laughs> well, you know, you just, you just brought up another area we didn't talk about, yeah. which is the church. There's a legacy to leave yes. in church. Yes, and, and, and that's, that's part of it too. To do. Uh, there is a legacy there. May, you know, be something for me, you have it, uh, you, you should bring up on another episode. <laughs> we, you know, absolutely. We, we could, we could do this again and uh, we'll be, we'll be in touch. Hey, thanks for listening everybody. And I hope you gleaned some wisdom and, uh, and check out Andrew, follow him on Facebook, uh, get, get to, get to know him. And uh, I love what you're doing for Christ. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This podcast is part of the Striving for Eternity ministry. For more content or to request a speaker or seminar to your church, go to strivingforeternity.org.